0: Theo Boyd had always been close to her parents. Her father was a Texas peanut farmer, rancher, and preacher. Her mother, deaf from a young age, was the glue that held them all together. Then one summer day in 2019, everything changed when Theo's mother died in a tragic accident on their family farm. As Theo began to process this loss, her marriage started to unravel, adding another painful layer to her grief. Meanwhile, Theo continued to care for her father, who was shaken to his core by the tragedy. Nothing could erase the agony he felt from losing his love and soulmate of over 50 years. And one night, he chose to escape his pain by ending his life. Theo suddenly had to learn to live without the two people who were her constant love and support, her parents. In My Grief is Not Like Yours, Theo gives an unforgettable account of how quickly life can turn to grief. Beautifully woven, this book is threaded with memories and raw emotions that are seldom discussed. Theo shows readers how she endured the unimaginable. She walks beside anyone, navigating through their grief, helping them feel less alone, and guiding them to hope and healing. We are all unique in life and in death. We are born, we live, we die, and we grieve. But my grief is not like yours. I am so excited for our conversation today. Hello, and welcome to the Oracle of Light. I'm Shauna DeMellon. I'm a lifelong medium and certified life coach, and making the connection with the afterlife has brought me the greatest joy. Since losing my son, Jack, I have navigated grief, heartache, and despair And it was through connecting with my son on the other side that my heart began to heal and I was able to find joy and meaning in my life again. Now, I'm inviting you into this space as I explore the afterlife, the grieving process, and rebuilding after loss. If you'd like to discover the spirit world and how to move through the loss of a loved one or child, you have come to the right place. This is the Oracle of Light. You are listening to the Oracle of Light podcast. I am your host, Shauna DeMellon. Thank you to each and every one of you for joining us today. I have a very special guest. I have Theo Boyd with me here today, and I am just so, so excited to have her share her story of of courage and resilience, working through complicated grief and loss and how she has, you know, as Oprah says, turned all of those wounds into wisdom. And she has a beautiful new book out that we will talk about. And I am just so excited that you are here today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. Now, we will start off with... Um, of course, I would love for you to share with everyone what inspired the book. Where did this all start? I mean, there was there was a there was a pivotal moment in 2019 that just sort of shifted shifted your entire world. So if you could if you could walk us through where everything started.
1: Okay, I was teaching high school English at a um, big district in South Dallas called Waxahachie. And I was actually working on a different book. I was just thought, you know, I'm teaching creative writing. I want to write a book. And I was working on a book about my grandmother, just a creative nonfiction. And then I got the phone call on um, July 29th. So this Saturday will be four years, July 29th, 2019. And my mom had been killed on our family farm. And in the next few days and weeks, I would get books from friends and I would flip the pages really quickly to try to find the page that hit me as hard as I've been hit. And there are a lot of great grief books out there, but there are not a lot for traumatic loss or complicated grief. I needed a book that was raw and real to me and what had happened with me. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to write this book. And I thought, if I can't, you know, if I can't find the book, I need to get my hands on, I'll just write it. And that's where the book came from.
0: I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. Now, will you share with us what happened that day as much as yes. as, much as you would love, wherever you're comfortable with that?
1: Absolutely. I am, of course, in the book, It's extremely, you know, detailed out, but I got the call. They wouldn't tell me anything over the phone. We drove about an hour South of where the farm was and found out that my dad had accidentally run over my mother with one of the farm tractors. They'd worked on the farm together for 50 years. They were six months shy of their 50th wedding anniversary. And so that started the contagion of events and the contagion of losses the book is not just one loss it's like as the book remained opened and not finished things kept happening to me like i said last week on i was on a television interview and i said it was all falling apart um but i was started writing the book and journaling and Taking care of my dad. I took family leave from the high school where I was teaching so that I could stay with him. And I was journaling and I showed the journal notes to a dear friend one day and said, I'm thinking about maybe writing a book. And she read the notes and just had tears all over her face. And she said, you have to write the book. Mm -hmm. And The title of the book, My Grief Is Not Like Yours, I want to explain where that came from, because I don't want people in your audience to think, oh, it's just a book about her grief. It is not. It's the title. I want you to own it for yourself. When people were coming to me with their comparisons to try to relate to me, to try to help me in my healing process. It was actually doing the opposite. And that's why I go out and talk to groups. Now, it's so important that we don't squash the feelings of one with our story and try to compare, because what happens in that process is that person's left feeling unheard. And I felt like my mom's life and death and the way she died and the way I wanted to talk about it and get it out was not, I couldn't, nobody was really listening. And I also speak on listening intently. Nobody was listening to me. So I always say, if you want to be heard, write a book, because then they have no choice but to read it. If they read it, they're going to know what you're thinking and feeling. So the only phrase and words that kept playing over and over in my mind were my grief is not like yours. My grief is not like yours. If your mom wasn't run over by a tractor, then we can't talk because I just can't. I can't even relate to you, but there are, there are losses. There are, everybody's loss counts. Don't get me wrong. But in that situation with it being so recent, I just needed a book that hit me and a book with the title, my grief is not like yours. And it's like, it was just, that was what it was going to be. And that title has never changed. We played with the subtitle a little bit, but that title, My Grief Is Not Like Yours, that has remained the title. And I'm so proud of that because I want people to get that title for themselves and to own their grief.
0: Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. And you're right. I mean, people, they can't... They, they think that you know well my grief is different you know I, I maybe I haven't lost a child or I haven't lost my mom or I haven't lost my dad or I don't know how to relate to that and so I love what you said earlier about you know I wanted something that that would that would relate to the the rawness of it like they would just it was it would just touch on that you know and I'm sure you've you've heard all about that well there are five stages to grief and now there's seven and then there's this and then there's that and you know in my community I tell people just throw that out the window just grieve just grieve let it be messy let it be whatever it needs to be I mean it's just you, and you have to be, you know, willing to just let it show up and, and move through you. And that's different for everyone.
1: Yeah. You know, and the stages of grief were actually coming out in my writing because I couldn't really grieve my mom as I was living with my dad. I had to, I talk about it in the book, how I should have gotten an Oscar for my performance every day okay. because I just held it in. I couldn't grieve because he was already hurting so bad. And I didn't want to add to that. So I held it in and then um, when my dad died, I started grieving my mom, I thought for the second time, but then I realized I was grieving her for the first time, oh my but goodness. yeah, I, you know, with all the losses. So, you know, my mom died. And then a few months after that, we went, my dad and I during those months went through complicated grief counseling with one of my dearest counselors and friends that i would had for like 18 years. She was amazing. I loved her pearls would, pearls of wisdom would just roll out of her mouth. She was just the best. And I talk about her a lot in the book. Well, she died suddenly. Then a few months after that, my husband leaves me for another woman. And I'm like, you know, apparently rock bottom has a basement because (laughs) <laughs> because then then on father's day last year i went to surprise my dad with breakfast and found he'd taken his life he couldn't take the pain any longer and his dementia was also you know a contributing factor so all of those losses and i was down for a while i was down for the count for a few weeks but i came back up and realized Uh, the stages of grief for me were writing. I was writing in angry and then resentful and then mad, you know, uh, then happy, then sad, then back to angry. And I noticed my writing was following the patterns of the stages of grief.
0: I love that. I think that is just, I think that is so fantastic. I find that their writing is, is cathartic. I mean, it's just, it's it's so raw and vulnerable, but then it's making room for more love and peace. And, and eventually there's some sort of acceptance. Um, now I want, I want to just touch on something. There was, there was something that I had read in, in, in your work, or maybe it was on your website that, um, you, you saw your dad the day before father's day and that you said, okay, I'll I'll come and see you in a couple of days. And that you thought maybe he didn't expect that you would be the person to find him.
1: No, he did not. I I kind of ruined his plan, I guess. And um, I saw him Saturday before Father's Day, June the 18th, 2022. And I said when I left, I said, I'm going to church tomorrow. Do you want me to pick you up? And I knew he was going to say no. He was a retired minister, but he hadn't attended church in several, um, many years He had retired several years before my mom passed. And then after my mom's accident, he completely shut God out. And, you know, forget that. He didn't even know if there was a God. And of course, i I talk about that in the book. I didn't either. But um, he he said, no, I'm I'm not going. I don't want to go to church. He said, I said, I'll see you in in a few days. And he said, "Okay, I love you more than you'll ever know. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I thought that was a little different than the normal I love you. Mm-hmm. he just said, I love you more than you'll ever know. Mm-hmm. But I thought, you know, we don't, we don't think of that when it happened, that it's going to happen. I'd already now initial, initially, let me explain when mama first passed, he had told the sheriff that he had thought of killing himself and laying with my mom, but he was so afraid that me and my sister wouldn't understand what happened with the tractor and everything. He was so distraught over what had just happened. He thought he would just get the gun and go back to my mom in the farm and, lay with her but he didn't do it because of me and my sister so of course me and my cousin we take all the guns out of the house you know and I stay with him for family leave we're all prepared you know and daddy told me once I'm not going to do that and if I wanted to I could figure out a way Mm -hmm. and that's very true we hear that from suicide you know survivors that you know if there if there is a will they will find a way Mm -hmm. well daddy had a pistol in the closet and I'm known that he had it there but I had forgotten and we had already brought all his guns back the year before in 2021 he wanted them all back he's a farmer and rancher and he you know lived out on the farm he said I need guns here I said okay so we would brought all the guns back and I hadn't even thought about it and so that day I said, I'll see you in a few days. And he said, I love you more than you'll ever know. I said, I love you too, daddy. And I left. And then that next morning, it's so weird. And I talk in the book about the night before, how I had a feeling. I, I went to sleep that night, but I wasn't asleep. I was still awake, but my eyes were closed and I'd already practiced my songs on the piano for church. And I was laying there and I got this feeling like I was in our old farmhouse because we had built them a new house in 2013. So, all my memories are from the place where I spent most of my life in the old farmhouse. And daddy's also, he really missed that farmhouse. And, you know, he said, Oh, he said he let Mama have the new house, but he really loved the old farmhouse. Well, that night before he died, I was having this feeling like I was in the old farmhouse. And it was the weirdest thing. I could smell the smell, I could feel the air in there. I could hear the door, it was a small farmhouse. I could hear the door spring in the door knob that separated their bedroom from the kitchen. I could hear, I could hear it. And I was like, what is this? And I opened my eyes and I liked what I felt. So I closed my eyes again. And me, my sister, my mom, and my dad were all back in that old house. And I looked at the clock and it was 12:30. It was midnight, 12:30, and I thought. I better go to sleep. I've got church tomorrow. And I slept so good that night. And I woke up about 7.30 the next morning, Sunday morning, Father's Day. And I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to go see daddy. And I hadn't really thought much about the night before and what had happened. I just remember thinking that was a little weird, but it felt good. But I didn't play into it or think about it. Drove out to my parents' house and went in to take daddy the McDonald's breakfast, which he loved. And found that he'd taken his life with a firearm. And I go into a lot of detail about that in the book. Um, which is why we have a content note at the beginning of the book. To please be aware of your mental health when you read this. Because I go into detail about a suicide. And he had taken his life. And I, as the months have went on. And I got the autopsy report. I really feel that he ended his life at 1230. When I had that feeling. Mm -hmm. I think he went through the old farmhouse and I was with him Mm -hmm. because I was closest to my dad. I saw him every day. I talked to him every day, especially since mama and my sister has, she's busy with her family. She has little boys, you know, my daughter's grown and moved off and I I'm the one that was closest to him. And I just really feel like he let me know I'm back home. He went back home.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful oh I just I love that and and I just wanted to say uh, thank you for being here today and, and and the vulnerability and the courage and the bravery that it takes to share your story because it, thank
1: you for having me
0: absolutely and I'm just I I am just in awe I mean to have so many things happen and now can you can you help us understand? You now there's, there's grief, there's mourning now complicated grief. What, what does that entail? Like, how is it different? How would someone know, okay, this is complicated grief. This there's something more here.
1: I didn't know what I had. I just, I just was sad. Yeah, And I was getting labeled by a lot of non-professional people <laughs> that I was depressed, suicidal. and um, And I knew I wasn't. I knew I wasn't going to take my life, but I was so like sad because I went from having everything. And within three years, I had a dog and my daughter's off at law school and, um, I I had everything right here and then it was poof gone, but I didn't know what I had. I went to my counselor and I'm so thankful I had her for those few months after my mom died, because I feel like all that training and what I had prepared me for the losses to come she prepared me for the losses to come. And I was just sitting there with her and explaining everything. And I said, I don't know. It's just so much. And she looked at me and said, well, because you're in complicated grief. And I said, what? She said, well, you're in complicated or complex grief. Now it's known as prolonged grief disorder, PGD. But it was complicated grief. So most people that understand the term know that it used to be complicated. And now it's called prolonged grief disorder. And I like to explain it like this. And this is how I describe it in my book. It's easy to understand this way. Normal grief, you take off of work. You're a little sad. You go to the funeral. But you end up going back to work. And then maybe even that night, you go out to dinner and have a margarita. With complicated or prolonged grief disorder, you barely get through the funeral. You, you know, and then the next day, you don't even remember where you work. You are off. You are off. An example of off. Three days after my mom's accident, two days before her funeral, I was riding our ATV across the farm fields just to get away, just to feel the wind in my hair. My dad had visitors at the house with him and I just wanted to get out and feel some fresh air. I crashed my ATV into a plow that was hidden under the weeds and it busted my elbow. You can still see a scar. It busted my elbow wide open. I had to go get nine stitches. Like I needed that on top of everything else I was handling that week, but I was off. My equilibrium was shattered. I, I, and reversed my car one morning to pull out of the garage and my I scraped the entire side of my sister's car like like a huge scratch not just an inch it was like inches and I was off I I couldn't my hand eye coordination my equilibrium everything was off that is complicated grief that is prolonged grief disorder um thinking that they're still here um making all their favorite food constantly obsessing over them you know, all those things are characteristics of PGD. And I, I didn't, I had a pretty good grasp. Every, all my friends tell me you weren't, you know, you weren't going crazy, but you were very, I was upset when other people wouldn't talk about her. I was upset when people would eat. I lost 23 pounds in about a month and a half, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have a whole chapter in my book about the eating, you know, and nobody really talks about that, but I did not want to eat. And I was pissed off when people were eating because <laughs> I thought, how dare you eat? My mom can't enjoy food anymore. My mom was like the best cook ever. Yeah. So I had this anger inside of me when people were eating, like after the funeral, they had a big lunch at the house. And I was like, Ugh. you know, how can you people eat? Yeah. I, I wanted to scream it, but I realized now that was just my, my PGD. That was my everything going through my head. And, you know, for a while, I thought it was PTSD. And I thought we thought my dad might have that because he saw the scene. I never saw the scene. I was just, my imagination was left for that, you know, but my dad did not have PTSD. My dad did have PGD, of course. He his grief never left him ever, and you know my grief hasn't left me. Yours probably has never left you. I just call it our new counterpart, and we have
0: to learn to live with it. I like that our new counterpart. I mm-hmm. like that. There was somebody that said um, she mentioned something about catastrophic grief, and I'm wondering if that that's this. That's yes, catastrophic. Same just yeah, there's so many different a uh, different labels for it, but it, it all comes down to PGD.
1: Yeah. Grief is a normal process. Grieving is a normal thing. We all live, we die, we grieve. Yep. Um but the complicated grief is a disruption in that process. It's a halting. It stops you. You know, and you you hear people all the time, especially now that I've written this book, I'm hearing from a lot of people and they're like, you know, my aunt lost her husband. Mm-hmm. He he was the love of her life. She hasn't left her house in three years, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel like I'm blessed to have been given the gift to put it on paper so that people can, um, when people come up to me at a book event and they say, thank you for writing what I could not ever do. Because I was able to give that book to my friend and say, here's how I'm feeling. Read it. This is exactly how I feel. Yes. So I'm able to give a voice to grief that others can't. And there's people right here in my community that I've been helping, you know, through certain tragic loss. And it's just, um, it's a hybrid it's not, there's no set grieving process. Like you said, it's a hybrid. It's always going to be something different for everybody because that person that they're grieving was a different person. We all have our own DNA (laughs) unique to us. So we honor that in life. And we talk about individuality as a school teacher, we had classes on making sure we were modifying instruction for each individual student, but yet in death. It's just like, oh, they're dead. Yeah, my aunt, all aunts are the same. All uncles are the same. All sons are the same. All mothers are the same. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking, if I'm feeling this way, there's got to be millions of other people out there grieving that feel like this. You know, my grief is not like yours.
0: And I was just wanting to scream that. No, And, and I love that. I love that. I love that you have written the book from your heart and your experiences, but you've also given it to everyone to say, mine isn't the same as yours, but here, here's kind of the roadmap that helped me and, and now, now take it and run with it. And this is, you know, how are you going to work through yours? And it's just, I think it's just, it's such a beautiful gift. That's just going to keep giving and giving and giving and giving. And, you know, I mean, Jack would have been 10 years, 10 years, you know, this year. I mean, that's, that's my son, Jack. And, you know, when I lost uh, 10 years ago, I went to my doctor because I thought, okay, am I depressed? Am I, I just, I it was never suicidal, but I didn't want to be on the planet. It was like I, I want to be with with him. I don't. I don't want to be here. I just no. This isn't no. And my mind couldn't yes. make sense of it. And it's funny because yeah, it was. I went to my doctor, and she was like, "Well, you know, you should probably go talk to somebody." And do you want some antidepressants? And I said to her, "That's it. Like those. Those are my choices. Like, are you kidding me? Like that? <laughs> like seriously? What? What?" And it was just like, "Oh my goodness." And so now you know. And I didn't want to talk about it for those first five years. I was like, "Nope." that's, we're not talking about that. And then I started to get mom's book into my practice, wanting to connect with their, their children on the other side. And it was just like, nicely played spirit. I guess this is what we're doing. And now it's, we talk about it. It's loud. It's big. It's grief is catastrophic. Grief, grief changes you. Like you are never the same person regardless of, of what that loss looked like. And, and that you had so many, I mean, you had your, the accident and your mom and then the counselor, your friend, and then your marriage started to unravel. Well, it basically did. And then, and then your dad later on. I mean, that is in such a short amount of time. I just, I want to say that is incredible that, I mean, not everyone would have been able to hold that together. I mean, people would have found addictions or taken, taken their own life or, you know, so what do you, th- can you share with us, you know, what was it, I know your writing was an integral part of moving through everything, but what was it that, that really kept you going? I know that you've, you've mentioned, you know, finding those real friends and, you know, getting the, the professional people helping and, you know, you sort of put together a team, but I, I would love, I would love to, to hear how, how did Theo get through that? How did she get to this point today?
1: And, and real quick, I want to say something at, to what you were talking about. You weren't suicidal, but you didn't want to be here. I read in a book and I don't remember which book, but I thought the author was brilliant. She said she wasn't suicidal or going to take her life. But if she was walking down the sidewalk and a grand piano was falling out of the upstairs window, she wouldn't move out of the
0: way. Yeah, exactly. That that was exactly. I love that. That is. I love that. It's true. That That is it. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go do something. I wouldn't have pills in the house. Like I wouldn't, I didn't have a plan, but it was like, yeah, if the opportunity presented, I'd be like,
1: "Hmm." (laughs) exactly. I thought that was great. Thank you for sharing. Isn't that great? Friends and family, um, friends and faith, friends, family, and faith. Um, I don't have a lot of family. I have just one sister and two nephews, my daughter. And we've gotten a lot closer, um, you know, just as a little knit group of us. We went on a cruise in June. And um, the the faith, like I said, I, I'm a Christian by faith. And I know everybody has their own faith. But I I had just forsaken that. I was like, God had forsaken me, I felt like. So I was like, forget it. And my dad was a minister, served God his entire life. How could any God use a man like that in an act like this to take off the most most precious woman I'll ever have known who was my host, my mother, and I just couldn't accept it. And I will have a lot of questions someday. So whoever's behind me in the line at heaven, you better just have something to snack on cuz I've got a <laughs> lot of questions. And I, um, I had just forgotten that, but, and this is leading into my second book that I'm about to start working on. That's going to come out in the fall of next year. My faith continues to slap me in the face. Like, Hey, I'm here. I've been with you the whole time. And it's through signs, all these signs I'm, and they're all going to be in my book. And I've taken notes every time something's happened. I've tapped it in my phone or written it on a piece of paper And so the second book is all filled with all the signs that you cannot discount that God is still moving in my life. Yes, you cannot discount those signs and I'm way open to them. So when they happen, I know and I will sometimes just say it out loud. Daddy, thank you. You know, I got it. I got it. You know, or Mama, I know you're here. I, so that is, what's gotten me through the friends after my mom died, they were there. I talk about them in my book, chapter 11 is called more F words and (laughs) friends, family, fun, fellowship, faith, all those F words. And they are my fairy blonde mothers. That's what I call them. (laughs) They were there when my mom died and they are, they were there with me when my dad died and they stayed with me on rotation. Wouldn't let me be alone. They were there to hold me and pick me up when I fell. They were amazing. And I go into some really funny, detailed things in the book about their funerals and how these friends are actually decorators, but they actually also own funeral homes and flower shops. <laughs> I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. You can't make this up. <laughs> No, and we just, they're just the best. They're the best in the whole world. I've just got so many friends that I talk about in the book. I actually have a chapter that details out what each friend did for me. I couldn't fit them all in there. And I was really conflicted because I wanted to put more friends in there. But the publisher said, you're at your limit. And, but I put friends in there that were in different parts of my life. You know, This friend knew all the teachers. So she contacted all my teacher friends and I had teacher friends come stay with me and So the friends really um, got me through. And in the book, I wanted to also point out to make it more of your own grief where you can own the title for yourself and make it unique for you. At the end of each chapter, we put in little journaling notes and questions. So after the chapter, we ask questions pertaining to that chapter back to the reader. Now, I've told you about how daddy loved the dirt and sand and rocks, and he would sometimes gather those and give as gifts to people, and they loved it from the old, you know, farm. So it meant something to them. What means something to you? You know, we ask questions back to the reader, like, you know, this particular person helped me most with my grief. Is there a person that's helped you specifically that they understand your grief better than others? Who's that person? And then, you know, write them a thank you note here and we give you a little space to do that. So we've tried to make it almost like a workbook in a way.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. That is so beautiful. And I love how, You know, and and I love that you give that that space for people to reflect and to connect into their own story and a place for them to share and and it it makes it um you know relatable, if you will. Like it's just it's it it allows them to it allows them to express it. Right. Like yes. it's, I
1: find it's not that... just me. I'm not just me talking about my grief. It's, it's yeah. for you. It's for you to have a book on your grief when you're done. Cause you'll have all yeah. those notes. And yeah. then at the end, I even put in four recipes of my mom's cause I talked some about food in there. So there's four recipes in the back to, for those people that just like to dabble in the kitchen. Yep.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I can't wait to get my copy. I just, I just can't wait to get that. Yes. I remember when you said, um, it was like, it was like the words were carrying the weight of the pain. I, would you, would you share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Hmm. So
1: after my mom's accident that night, my dad, the retired minister who served God his entire life, remember was cussing. I mean, GDF all the words. And I was kind of freaked out a little bit. That's a lot for a daughter to hear when all she's ever heard is, you know, prayers and everything, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, I went outside and texted my counselor. What, you know, what did I need to do? What, you know, she texted me back and it has never left me. Let him say the words he needs to say. Those are the words that carry the weight of his pain. And I think we shy away from that. We are so staunch in our either religion or our upbringing that we're like they don't need to be cussing well you don't know what it feels like if it's happened to you you're probably going to be cussing and daddy cussed to the day he died he he it never left him he felt that pain so deeply that he had to let it out in his words and i think it's important that we do not um what would it be oppress someone that's getting all that out if that's the way they're grieving, just let them, you know, just if close your ears if you have to, because believe me, there were many times I had to close my ears, driving daddy to a doctor's appointment and he was cussing about my driving. And <laughs> I just feel like it stays with, it stays with a person
0: that heavy, those heavy weighted words. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And, and it's, It's almost like, you know, when we're grieving, like there's just, there's so much pain and there's so many emotions and thoughts and memories and, and it just, it just, I mean, there's so, there's so much, you know, and, and for someone to find a way to express it and, and just to hold space for that. I mean, and, you know, I'm sure in, in, in your background, your training um, is similar to mine is that, you know, when someone starts to release you just, you let them you just, you know, and the majority of people that I work with, you know, it's tears. And so it's, you know, I always make sure you're the Kleenexes, just, just go, just, you just go to, you you can't go anymore. Just let it out. And yes, it's, and I, I think it's right. Like, you know, we don't want to be oppressive. We want to be able to hold space for someone and let them know that we're there for them, but just let them experience it and then just get it out however however they need to and so it's so you're right like it it going back to your earlier comment about being a really good listener like you know just you know it's just oftentimes you know we've all been caught up in this some people more than others I think we we listen anticipating our response we listen because we want to share our story we listen instead of just just, just listening. Just. I
1: learned from the best. My mother was deaf. She did not speak a word. She didn't utter a word till she was 10 years old. Wow. She lost her hearing at 18 months old from a high fever, similar to Helen Keller's situation. And it burned her inner ears and she lost her hearing completely. She was profoundly deaf. But at age ten, my grandparents realized they needed to do something and find a school that could help her. And she went to a school. She learned how not sign. They didn't teach sign at that time. She learned how to use her voice, and she ended up reading lips and being a great communicator. Her um, speech was different. You know, you could tell that she was deaf, but she was the she was the most exemplary. Example of listening. She was always in the room, and I have a chapter in the book called In the Room, and it talks about being present. Maybe even when you're not hearing anything, you're just there. Just being present, and not saying anything is so important. Sometimes just being in the room is what's most important. And what even got me to that title is years ago, I took my mom to a women's conference in Dallas. And when we got there, it was about 23, 2,400 other people and a lot of very famous women were going to speak. They didn't have a teleprompter. They didn't have anybody signing because my mom could read sign, although she didn't use it. And I didn't know, you know, we could barely see the speaker because we were about three quarters back in the auditorium. I looked over at my mom and I lipped, lipped to her and said, I'm so sorry, you can't hear, you know, the speakers. And she looked at me and said, it's okay. I'm just happy to be in the room. And that has never left me. She was always in the room. She never heard us playing the piano all the years that she took us to piano lessons. And she never heard a note. She never heard my daddy you know, singing because music to her was just a loud rumbling noise. But she was in the room regardless.
0: So why can't we be in the room
1: and just be present?
0: That is so beautiful. I feel like... I, I feel like this book is, is just, it feels like, you know, number one in, in the series. Yeah, I mean, there are just so yeah. many, I mean, I mean, that on its own could be a whole book.
1: I mean, just um, be- yes. You know, my yes. mom's story. I always told my yeah. mom, I'm going to write a book about you. Yep, And um, she would always say, Shh. Oh, was just so heart, <laughs> little and petite. And I describe her in the book and she's just, she was the Jacqueline Kennedy of the farm because she was always dressed up and helping my dad and the cowmaner and the, you know, and. Um, But yeah, my mom was deaf. And so she gave me the best example of being in the room and being present and listening because she was always there and listening, even though she wasn't hearing everything. We knew she was there and you could go home and we had all been to the same event. She knew more of what went on than we did because we were probably moving our mouths and not, you know, I used to tell my students in class, if your mouth is moving, your ears ain't working.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is so good, right? Like, this is the the preamble for her book now i just i love that and it's do you think after everything that's happened what do you think what is your dad's legacy what is his legacy that he's left behind
1: his ministry to this community he he probably preached 3000 funerals in this area everybody that i talked to says yeah your dad preached my uncle's funeral my mom's funeral my baby's funeral daddy had a gift. He had a gift. And, and even now in his death, I'm able to go out and tell people about these extraordinary characters that live these extraordinary lives and their extraordinary deaths. Mm -hmm. And, and how now in the book, I'm able to share what daddy and I feel like I'm like carrying on what he, you know, I've taken things out of the notes out of his notebook, his playbook and using them when I go out to speak. And I've been speaking at a lot of funerals, actually, and kind of pulling out some of his old sermon notes, the things that people love, writing poetry. Daddy, daddy was, he loved poetry. And this farmer and preacher that you wouldn't think knew anything about literature, wrote poetry, and it was beautiful. And we'd even, I even put one of his poems in the book because it was in um, his obituary. And I've published two of his short stories recently and they're on Amazon. And he's got a whole drawer of books I found of little notes of short stories. But his handwriting, because he didn't use computers, his handwriting is like that of a serial killer. So it takes me (laughs) a long time to decipher that and get it onto a Word document. But um, you know, he says, well, just publish it like it is. I'm like, daddy, nobody can read your handwriting.
0: I love that. I, I mean, it's just, it's such such a beautiful legacy. I mean, for your family, I mean, you're, and what would your mom's legacy be? I think we've, we've touched on it.
1: My mom's legacy is just her beauty of listening and, and me being able to go out and say, Hey, here was my mom. She didn't hear anything. Even, even after the age of 10, when she learned to speak, she got a hearing aid, but it only gave her 5% in one ear. 5%. So she got 5%, but she was, she knew everything that was going on. She was so aware and so intently listening at all times. And that listening doesn't even have to be the physical act of listening or the sense that we have. It's of just being in the room and being present and being aware. And just awesome. me, being, me being able to go out and deliver that message and create a world of
0: listeners mm-hmm. is mom's legacy. And then it's so beautiful and so, so powerful. I mean, it's just... It, it just, such an incredible, incredible life and an incredible an incredible way of, of leaving their mark on the world, you know, to yes. let the world know we were here and this is what we experienced. And I think that it's so, so powerful when you can just really be present for someone. Just be present, like you're saying, you know, just be in the room. And I imagine with... Not hearing that all of her other senses would have been exponentialized, like she would have felt so much and she would have seen so much and she just, her world would have just been so, so different, it would have been so colorful, but in a different way, in a way that that we, we can't really even understand, but just, yeah. I just, uh, you know,
1: and I talk in the book a lot about how I wish I could have seen her face when she heard the angels sing, because it's supposed to be a sound we've never heard, but for my mom so much
0: more. Yeah. I mean, that would be so beautiful. And I love that you you touch on that. I mean, the work that I do as a medium, a lot of the work that I do are are space clearings and I help souls to go back to the light. And I've often said to people, you know, it's kind of like the movie Ghost, you know, with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg, you know, there is a beautiful white light that opens up. And every time I see that light open up, there is Celeste, there's music I hear that isn't here. There's music that I hear that makes me cry each and every time, because that's home. And every time I, it is just, I think the closest I found was, um, Alleluia by, uh, Pentatonix. Yes, That was the closest I, I froze when I first heard it and it was just like, Oh, they've almost got it. They've almost, oh my gosh, they've almost got it. Yeah. They're, they're very good. They are the harmony and everything. And so I love that because it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's absolutely beautiful now with, with your marriage unraveling in the midst of that? I mean, you would think at a time like that, that, that your husband would have been your rock. I
1: I thought so. And I was telling people when I was living with my dad, they would say, how are you and your husband doing? And I'm like, we're doing great. We're so much stronger than this. And then I realized where we weren't. Mm -hmm. And I found out about an affair and then, um, forgave him because he's grieving and, you know, he loved my mom. And so I, but then it happened again and again, and I couldn't, I couldn't keep putting up with that, whatever that was, whatever process he was going through was not a, not the process I was going through. So I, I just, you know, I, it was very hard after, after that ended and I was by myself, I started spending more time with my dad. So I wasn't cooking for me and my husband anymore. So I would cook for my dad. And I would take food over there. And then when my dad left, I'm like, oh, my gosh, all the men in my life are leaving. So I just it was very hard. You know, those months after we separated and we're getting the divorce were the hardest because you and I remember Gail telling my dad, the counselor telling my dad losing a spouse is one of the hardest losses because you've lost your rock, your person there that you go to every evening and throw everything at, you know, your person that you talk and bounce everything off of that person you're you're alone and right. it was very hard to go through losing a marriage and just not understanding you know could I have done something different? What you know what I just I just think grief really brings a lot of things to the surface. I and my, my counselor said that grief also separates the children from the adults.
0: Oh oh Oh, okay. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, that, and I.
0: So that's, that,
1: that's, I'm sorry, my It's
0: okay. No, no, that's okay.
1: Family, I, it's okay. It's okay. So, anyway. Yeah, she said grief separates the children from the adults and grief I was like,
0: "Oh, okay." From the adults. Grief separates the children from the adults. It's and it's so true.
1: I was maintaining my integrity and getting through everything while my ex was not. I, I, it was just it was very difficult to watch.
0: Oh my goodness, you know, and it's it's fascinating because you know, I've I've shared this. I I'm I'm writing writing my second book, you know, about, about my son, Jack and everything that happened. And it was interesting because after we'd lost him, I, I, you know, my husband at the time was, he was my rock. Like I could, you know, you walk in the room and he could just see my face and go, what's wrong. Are you okay? What's happening? What's going on? And he completely shifted after we lost him. Like I was, I was absolutely, devastated I mean you know losing a child is, is its own thing yeah, and just you it is there are not enough words or emotions to even describe what that is and so it was fascinating because that was the beginning of the end of our marriage I, I remember the one day I came home from seeing my counselor and crying and I joked with people you know I didn't wear mascara for two years because I didn't know when I would be triggered and when I'd Me start all my yes. eyes out right and I remember coming home and he was like, how was your day? And my eyes are all red and I'm, I'm standing there thinking, and I said, oh, it was really hard today. And, oh, you know, and it just, it just, everything was a trigger. And and he looked at me and he said, okay, well, I took out some chicken for supper. I'll make dinner. And I just thought, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's just like, I know. oh my God. And so, yeah, it was just, there was, yeah, it, I, it, absolutely. So, I mean, it's just, again, layer upon layer upon layer. I mean, you have you've lost this loved one. And another loved one, and then this relationship. And it's interesting too because people often don't talk about the grieving process when a marriage ends, when a significant relationship ends. That you No, know,
1: yes. And I watched a, a documentary on Shania Twain recently. I think it was on Netflix or something. And she was talking about her marriage ending and how it was a grief, grieving process. Yeah. And I was like, yes, it is. That's why it's in this book, because it's another layer in my grief. And it it really pulled the rug out from under me. I, that, I was just devastated. I could not believe it. And I was so hurt for so many reasons. But I hadn't told my dad anything about our marriage or being on the rocks or separating or going through the divorce. But about a week and a half before my dad ended his life, I told him. And I will never be able to know 100%, you know, should I have not told him? But I've had so many friends say, don't give him that power. You know, my ex, he didn't have that much power. Your dad, this had nothing to do with him. But I just feel like it was one more thing that didn't have to happen. You know, rather than leave me and not be the husband that I needed, why not just be the husband that I needed and love me? Yeah. And, you know, that was That was what hurt the most, that he couldn't even be that person that I needed. But our marriage had been rocky, you know, a little before my mom died. But we were really, I thought, doing great at that time. And then after my mom died, it just started to
0: unravel. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's inter, you know, it separates the children from the adults. Is that just- yes, it that does. Is and cool. she
1: said that, I've got it on text from her, and I've saved it because that's yes. so true. And grief brings all- everything to the surface. Grief is oh. that ugly virus, and no matter oh. what,
0: and to try to squash it, you're still going to throw up. It's so true, and you know, I. I tried for years. I was like, no, I'm not talking about that. Mm, No, not going to talk about that. No, no, we're not talking about that. And it just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And eventually it was like, okay, this is, and Gail said that would happen. Gail said, if you don't grieve properly,
1: I'm very worried that later on in your life, it will come up. It will 100% come to the surface and it'll be much worse. And it will present itself in the, in the, um, in a depression. Yes. it will come back, and she said, "I'm worried you'll go into a severe depression if you don't grieve properly."
0: Mm-hmm. It's true, right? Like it's just, and I, I tell people, you know, from from my world, I, I tell them, you know, the only way you have to go through it you have to allow it to go through you you just your your heart needs to grieve the way it needs to grieve and i said mine grieved my way yours will grieve your way i mean you can read books and and meet people and that will help but ultimately you have to get in the arena with it and it's like a beast and some days it's going to win. Some days you're just going to annihilate it. Other days you just want to have a nap. <laughs> it You know, and it's
1: funny. You talk about a
0: beast in one of my chapters. I actually talk about a figure in the corner
1: of the room that was slouched waiting on me every morning when I woke up.
0: Oh. oh, oh, oh. Right. And that
1: chapter is called the ring. And that's the boxer in the ring was waiting on me every morning. And he would hit me in the stomach, punch to the gut. After a few seconds of waking up, getting my bearings and realizing what happened to the punch, he'd start punching me. And I talk about that boxer and how he would continue punching me. But guess what? I've learned how to fight back. I've learned how to stand and punch back.
0: Yep. And what do you think that was? Was that grief? Was that? Yes. Yes, that
1: was grief. But I put a face to it. It was like a Sylvester Stallone, Tyson, and all those mixed into one. It didn't even have a face. It was just a figure. But I pictured him over in the corner of the room. And I talk about that in great detail in the book. And that chapter is called The Ring. So a lot of people probably think that chapter is about my mom's wedding ring or something. It's not. It's about the boxing ring. Mm -hmm. It's about that ring that we're all in in grief. And we're just constantly being pulverized. Until we finally
0: one day do stand up to it. Yep. And I think, you know, a lot of people that I've, I've worked with over the years, thousands and thousands have said, I I can't even, I can't even go there because it'll, it'll destroy me. There's no way that, that like, I will not be able to come out the other side of that. And I would tell them the only way to live and create a new life for yourself is to go through it. And yes. I'm, if I could get through it, you can get through it. And, you know, like, it's just, it's, yeah. And, you know, and I love how you mentioned, um, you know, the F words, right? The faith, the family, the friends that, right. Like just, I always tell people, you've got to have the right people around you. You have to have the right people around you. Uh, one of my my teachers early on, she said to me, you need to have people around you that look at you with believing eyes. And that's all yeah. with me because those are your people, people that look at you with believing eyes, the people that will call out of the blue just to see how you're doing, the people that will sit and listen to you blubbering and crying and a complete friggin' mess. And- yes. Yeah there's no timeline they're like are you okay are you done is there more is there what else can I do like you know it just it's I found that you know after losing Jack it was I I really found out who my true friends were pretty quick and even family yes, like you do oh yes oh yeah it was like mm-hmm.
1: what apps, apps.
0: yep where did that person go? And oh my gosh. And the people that I really thought would be there as my anchor, my support, they weren't. And so again, yeah. it separates the children from the adults. <laughs>
1: Isn't that great? That's
0: so good. That's a huge aha moment for me. That, that Gail was
1: like that. Gail always had some great pearl of wisdom that's with me. And now Gail, she was, um, she was my counselor. I'd had her for like 18 years through blended marriages and raising a teenage daughter, just a counselor. You know, we work out all the muscles in our body, but we forget about this one, our brain. So I went to her for, you know, and I think it's because of all those years of being with her and all that training, everything that's happened in my life has brought me to the point to where I could get through all this, where I could write a book about it, where I can share it with other people, where I can talk about it. It's because I had a lot of training from some great people in my life, my mom and my dad, and then my counselor.
0: Absolutely. How beautiful. What
1: do you think Gail's legacy is? Oh my gosh, Mm. Gail. Her, you know, I sent her husband a copy of the book and he was just so excited about it. She's just so phenomenal. Mm. She, those pearls of wisdom that I share and the whole chapter in here about her. And then I even bring her up in other chapters. And then when I go out and speak to people, Just remembering the breathing exercises that she taught me before I go speak and things like that. And just always like sharing the things with you, the children and adults thing, and all the things that Gail taught me, the more that I can spread that out in the book and with other people, when I speak, that's, I love, oh, I just loved her. She, that grief, that grief hit me really hard. It was very hard to deal with losing her.
0: Of course, of course. Oh, I have so loved our conversation today. I know that we could continue on and and, and we will have you back on, um, I'm sure multiple times. I would
1: love to be back.
0: Yes, I would. I'm just so excited for people to um, hear about you and and learn about everything that you do. Now, will you tell everyone how they can find you? Yes,
1: thinktheo.com is one of the best ways because you can um, send me a message on there, thinktheo.com. And then I blog very regularly on Facebook at thinktheo and on Instagram. So um, thinktheo.com, follow me on Facebook on thinktheo and then Instagram is also thinktheo. And I have dabbled into some other social media outlets, but it just gets too crazy. So my main blog is on Facebook.
0: Beautiful. I love that. And where can we find your book?
1: anywhere that books are sold, um, Simon and Schuster, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and we're traveling Texas right now, going to bookstores and, um, but you can, you can find the book. My grief is not like yours on audible. I did record it in my voice. <laughs> and, um, every Monday I give away a free audible on my Facebook page on think Theo. And I, um, you can also purchase the book on my website. We've got it on there and I'll autograph it for you. And,
0: that's, that's what I'm talking about right there. Yes. I've got to get my order in. Thank you so much. Thank you so
1: much. I really had a great time. I mean, it's so such an oxymoron to say we have a great time talking
0: about our grief, but. We do. And it's, I, I think it's, I, I know that for myself, you know, it's, it's, it's connecting with kindred spirits. It's, it's, it's just knowing that that person understands the depths of it and, and all the different angles and, and, and the ugliness it can, and, and the beauty you know, I mean, we just yes. understand all of it. So I just, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being with us. And I am just so excited for everyone to meet you. And I can't wait to get your book. And thank you
1: very thank much. You. you know, the very last word that my mom texted to me was beautiful.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you. Oh my goodness. She's, she's lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. you Everybody out there, just um, remember, I say this in my book, but we are not alone. We're all still here. I'm still here. You're still here. And we all live, we die, we grieve, but my grief is not like
0: yours. Thank you, Theo, for sharing such an inspiring, powerful, and beautiful story with us today. It was an absolute honor to have this conversation with you. All of Theo's contact info will be in the show notes. Be sure to find her on social media and pick up a copy of her book. It's sold everywhere that you can pick up books, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all of that info will be in the show notes. You can find me on Instagram at Shauna DeMellon medium and Check out my website at livealifeyoulove.org if you would love to make the connection with a loved one on the other side or learn to make that connection for yourself. I'm sending you all of my love. Until next time, bye for now.